All right, guys, welcome back uh, to this week's Missional Community Leaders uh, Coaching Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, it's been a full week for our family. Um, we uh, we had Ethan's orientation up at SVSU on Tuesday, and uh, so that was that was a good time, but kind of made the week super super weird. Um, so I think, kind of feel like that's going to be our, our life for a minute. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of random things that are, that are just kind of different from the usual. So, uh, apologize that, uh, this is getting out a little bit late. Uh, it just, I don't know, the week, the week got strange on me. Um, so appreciate your grace. Yeah, I just want to remind you again, uh, anything that you think would be helpful in this podcast, please uh, just let me know, you know, just shoot me a text or whatever and, and say, hey, can we talk about this? Can we cover this? Uh, that would be that would be absolutely fantastic and uh, really helpful for me to know what would be helpful uh, for you guys. Um, so as far as announcement, the kind of stuff goes, I guess, uh, there's really... Really not much happening. Uh, I guess one of the things I'd love for you to be thinking about processing is, um, you know, how can we creatively approach the uh, the coming fall with the cooler weather? Uh, you know, probably looking into, you know, after this seven-week series, we're, we're probably getting close to that point where uh, the weather's going to turn and be a little bit cooler and uh, it's going to start getting dark sooner and all that good stuff. So, if you could uh, just be thinking, praying, and uh, we'll schedule some time to to, to talk through uh, what what some of our plans uh, could be. But I'd love to love to see if we can get more creative than simply doing Zoom. Uh, you know, not that Zoom is is bad uh, or evil or anything along those lines. It's just not ideal, and um, so I'm just just kind of curious if there might be some more creative ways uh, to approach. To approach things here in the in the coming months. So if you could be praying and thinking, I would appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at. Um, I'll be reaching out to Pastor Mike here in the next week or so to begin talking through uh, what does Down on Tap look like uh, in the fall and uh, how we're going to approach that. So that's also uh, that'll also be becoming um and uh started out uh started preaching at flint flint this past weekend and that went really well uh so appreciate your prayers uh, for that and uh you know we'll still be be doing that each each sunday morning um so uh, at least at least for now you can be praying for them they've got a couple guys in the pipeline that uh are that they're evaluating and interviewing and that kind of thing so uh, they may be calling their their next pastor sooner rather than later, which is which is encouraging. And um, yeah, all right. I think that's that's all I got. Uh, so let's let's get after it, shall we? Uh, this week's passage is uh, from John chapter eight, and it is uh, it is I am the light of the world is uh, is what we're the, the next I am statement. Uh, so let me read the passage, and, and we'll take a look, see what we got going on here. Um, John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. 
says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks for the scriptures. Uh, Thank you that Jesus is the light of the world. And uh, as we spend a little bit of time looking at this, I pray that uh, we might be changed some and not just learn more stuff. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, hey, if you are looking at your Bible, uh, which you may or may not be, and it's, I'm pretty sure this uh, hits across um, digital and print alike, but uh, chapter 7, verse 53 through 811 uh, are typically either in brackets or uh, italicized, and that is because most of the earliest manuscripts of the Gospel of John don't include uh, the the story there, um, you know, of the the woman caught in prostitution, and uh, so a lot of, you know, it, it appears to be a later edition and not in the original manuscript. Um, still a great story, still important, still something that uh, you know we should uh, be be looking into and looking at and. And I think, you know, tells us something important about Jesus. Um, but yet at the same time, uh, probably not a part of the original manuscript. And uh, as a result, verse 12 in chapter 8 probably uh, continues right on from, uh, you know, uh, chapter 7, verse 52. So uh, this... This means that uh, Jesus here was, was probably speaking, uh, well, he was speaking at the Feast of, of Tabernacles on the Temple Mount, right? So this is in Jerusalem. He's at the temple. Uh, we hear, we learn here at the end of, um, of our little passage that uh, he, was, he was in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. So... Uh, where the offerings were put were in these, you know, kind of big jar things, and uh, they were kept in the court of women because both women and men could be there, and so, um, you know, that was probably where where Jesus was teaching from. Uh, now, the feast of the tabernacles uh, was also known, commonly known as uh, uh, the feast of lights, and this is because this festival was to commemorate God's provision for the people in the wilderness and how he led them as a pillar of fire and smoke. So the Feast of Lights points to the pillar of fire, you know, God's, God's dwelling presence among the people. And this festival was uh, instituted back in Leviticus 23, verse 42 and following. So you can go check that out 
if you want to read a little bit more about that. Um, the tabernacles were these tent-type things uh, that were set up, and the people would, would stay in them for uh, seven days, and, each, and they would elaborately decorate them and each night they would light lights and this is and so you know the temple mount just kind of looked uh looked like a, a celebration right um with with all these torches lit and, and all of that and so this is this is a significant reason why it was why it was known as um the festival of lights so so knowing that context when Jesus declares that he is the light of the world, he is identifying himself directly with the pillar of fire. He is saying, I am that. I am the pillar of fire. So if, he, if he's the pillar of fire, then what he is doing is he is identifying himself with the divine. In essence, he is saying he is God. Because the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke were representative of, of God's dwelling presence. He's saying, I am here. I am the light of the world. Uh, and he is also saying uh, that he is uh, the ultimate, that he is the means by which ultimate salvation is brought about. And the salvation that he's bringing is universal, not simply for Israel, right? So he is expanding, again, he's expanding their understanding of what God is doing in the world. He, they, you know, the, the people of Israel had a very clear sense of, of their election, of their chosenness, of the, the idea, the reality that God had, had picked them out. This was such a significant part of their story throughout what we call the Old Testament. And so, um, you know, you have, you have Jesus now saying, I'm not just the light of Israel. I'm not just the dwelling presence of Israel. I'm not just the pillar of fire for Israel. No, I, I am the light of the world. Now, this is not new to John, right? Um, this idea of, of Jesus being light, this goes back, it ties right back into John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, you know, we have, we have John playing on this light and darkness motif. He plays on it in his gospel. He plays on it in his short letters, right? In, in 1 John, which we looked at uh, this past spring, he's, he's hitting on... Sitting on all these things, uh, <clears throat> very common ideas here for for John. Uh, Jesus talking about light and darkness, and this light is, um, you know, the light of life. So he is bringing through his presence, through the divine presence. Jesus says, "I am light. I am the light of the world that is bringing life." And if you follow me, you won't be in darkness. So consider again, you know, here you have the people of God following the pillar of fire in the darkness, in the wilderness. It lit the way. In the middle of night, in the darkest of night, here was the pillar of fire that was showing them the way in the darkness. And the darkness in the midst of wilderness was not a safe place. It was a place of chaos. It was a place of death. 
Uh, it was a place of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The enemy was out there. There, there. there were bad things that were going to happen to you if you were wandering around in the wilderness, in the dark, by yourself in that day and age. And here's Jesus saying, listen, I dwell with you. I am the light of the world. I am the pillar of fire. I am the one that will bring you life and will protect you and will keep you and will, and will save you. And not just, not just bring you into the promised land. No, I am the light of the world. I am bringing life to the world. He is, he is expansive in his understanding of what God is at work in the world doing. It's no longer about one nation. It is no longer about one ethnicity. It's no longer about one tribe. No, it is about the world. This is a global, a global scope that Jesus is talking about here. So you had the, the religious leaders whose understanding of, of what God was doing was limited and, and hyper-local. And what Jesus is saying is, no, what God is in the world at work doing is bringing life to the whole world through the dwelling presence of God in me. Um, so this is, this is what Jesus is arguing. This is the statement that Jesus makes to the Jewish leaders, to the people, and to the people. So uh, let's, let's just kind of walk through a few verses here, and then we'll, we'll circle back. Um, the Jewish law required two witnesses beyond uh, the person accused for legal proof, right? So, so this is what we have. This is the issue we have in, in verse 13. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Uh, Jesus is making this radical claim. I am the light of the world. I am the, the very presence of the divine uh, in, in the world. And the Pharisees' response is, uh, yeah, you're just saying that, and there's not, there's not two witnesses for you. So your testimony isn't valid. They're not, I love their approach here, right? Because this is, this is the way that uh, oftentimes uh, fundamentalist evangelicals, um, you know, that just, or even just American evangelicals and how we do apologetics, right? We're, we're oftentimes... Uh, we approach some of these issues that, that people have. Uh, we try to kind of come in from the side a little bit. Uh, this is this is good. This is just good. This is good argument here. This is a good approach uh, that the Pharisees are taking, that the religious leaders are taking, uh, where they're saying, "Hey, we're not going to deal with with the crazy talk, right? We're not going to deal with you claiming to be God. How about we just do this?" Your testimony isn't valid because you're the only one saying it is this. So it doesn't work. So how does Jesus, Jesus answers? Well, he says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. Okay, he can't just say, like, that doesn't work in the Jewish law. You can't just say, my testimony is valid. You need two people. So how, what, what's Jesus' argument for this? He says, I know where I come from and, and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. So we read that and they're kind of like, we, you know, you might read that and scratch your head and be like, okay, what, what's happening here? Well, by this point, uh, the rabbis uh, had taught that human beings 
because we are not divine, because we are not omniscient, we're not all-knowing, we cannot know in the flesh where we come from or where we are going. In other words, we, we have where we come from is the idea of eternity past. Where we are going is the idea of eternity future. So as, as human beings in the flesh, we can't know. We can't know where we come from. You know, most of our memories, uh, you know, really start after, what, five or six years old. And even then, it's, it's pretty foggy until maybe you get to like, you know, eight or nine, something along those lines. Um, and so, you know, and we don't know where we're going. We don't, nobody knows what the afterlife is really like. Nobody knows really what happens after we taste death. And so the only one who knows where they come from and where they are going, the only one who knows eternity past and eternity future is who? It's God. Jesus again makes a divine claim. He's saying, I am the light of the world and I can testify on my behalf because I am God. Not only am I God, um, but, it, you know, he, he goes on to say, and we're going to come back in a minute to uh, verse 15 because I think it's kind of the important, maybe the key to the whole passage. Uh, but he says in verse 16, I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. Now, so Jesus is saying, I am God, my Father is God, and, and we, we testify on our behalf. Because God, God doesn't need second testimony. Jesus is in essence here saying, I have blown out the entire depth of the validity that you need because I have a double divine testimony. Think about this. His, his argument is, I don't, you, you're missing the point here, Pharisees. I can testify on behalf because I am divine and my father is divine. Therefore, double divinity, double divine. I have a double God, double God thing here going on. So it's, it's valid. I stand with the father who sent me. Now, the reason I say verse 15, I think, is, is super important. In the NIV, it, it says, You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. Now, what gets translated here in the NIV as human standards is the Greek word sarks, flesh. Um, in some other translations, the NAS, I think, the ESV, I think, translated as, You judge by the flesh. I pass judgment on no one. Uh, or something along those lines. And so, um, so what's he saying? And I, like the, I love that the NIV kind of gets to the heart of the matter, right? Uh, you're, you pass judgment, you judge by human standards. It's kind of the idea uh, that, that, he's, that he's getting at. He's like, hey, you, you're just looking at the outside. You're just looking at what you can see. You're judging on this, on this fleshly standpoint. You're just, it's just kind of, you know, you don't have the big picture here, guys. You don't have the big picture. All you got, 
all you got is this, is this moment in time that you see. You're judging by the flesh. You're, you're judging me as though, you know, I am Joseph and Mary's son from Nazareth. That's how you're understanding me. You know, I'm just, I'm just Joseph's son. Uh-huh. There is, he says, but I, I, I pass judgment on no one. I don't, he says, I don't judge by, by the flesh. I don't judge by human standards. There is this bigger picture happening. There is this grander story, this grander narrative. There is this bigger context within which everything fits. And you don't see it, but I do because I stand with my Father. In essence, he's saying, I am standing. I'm standing in heaven, seeing eternity past, eternity future. I see the whole thing. And so I'm not judging any of this by your measly little human standards. Because I am God. I am the divine one. I am the light of the world dwelling with humanity, bringing light and life to the whole world. So I don't need, I don't need your two-person requirement because I am one with the divine. Um, this, this is, this is the, this is, this is the center of it. And so you can trace the argument that they have, right? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The Pharisees say, <laughs> you, you are your own witness. Jesus says, oh yeah, well, I'm divine. I'm one with the Father. And now the Pharisees get to the next thing. Verse 19, well, where is your Father? Where is your Father? <laughs> I mean, they think they got Him, right? It's like, well, we don't see your Father. We don't see your father. Where is he? This is this is the argument, right? That we hear from you hear oftentimes um, from from folks who who would call themselves the new atheists. You know, if God is real, why can't I see him? Right? I can't believe in something I can't see. Here's here are the Pharisees, people who say they follow God, who in their interaction now with Jesus say, "Where is your father? We can't see him." You say your father is divine. Where is he? What, what's going on here? Jesus' response is, is priceless. Because he basically says, you don't have a clue. You don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. There is this union with the father. The divine, the Godhead is united here, right? This, this is one of those passages where the idea of the divine nature of Christ is, is, is developed from. Where he's saying, you see me, you see the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. I am one with the Father. I stand with the Father. I am eternal. I know, I know eternity past. I know eternity future. This is where I stand. I see the whole big picture. And you don't understand a dang thing that I'm talking about here. Right? Now... Now, as we work through this, as you continue to kind of to go through this, the hard part about just stopping here is this conversation goes on because they just keep challenging, they keep challenging Jesus's identity uh, throughout chapter eight. They they challenge the identity of his followers. They they just kind of are pressing into all kinds of stuff until we get to the end of chapter eight. And if you, at the end of chapter 8, you get to this point 
where you can almost feel the frustration of Jesus. And so finally he's like, I'm done. I am so done trying to help you guys understand these esoteric ideas. And in verse 58, he says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was, I am. Dude, Mike freaking drop right there. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, right here, no doubt about it. There are no, there is no if, ands, or buts. He is saying, I am the I am. I am God. I am the one who visited Moses. I am. I am. Now, this is where th- this verse is, is one of the ones that we build the concept that um, before Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, that before Jesus came, any any of these, um, you know, uh, pre-incarnation uh, embodiments of God, right? The the burning bush, uh, the 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 still the still small quiet voice in the whirlwind, um, the pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke, any of that stuff. This this is kind of the this is where we draw this idea that those are Christ. That those are Christ. The one who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden was Christ, right? This is, this is kind of the idea. Before Abraham was born, I am. And look at the response of the Pharisees. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. He committed the ultimate in blasphemy. Because he finally left no if, ands, or buts about it. He said, I am. I am God. And you know what? According to the scriptures, the Pharisees were right in picking up those stones to stone Jesus. Because he had committed blasphemy. Except here's the problem. Jesus really was God. Jesus Jesus is that unique he is that unique moment in history. He is the light of the world. He is the Christ. He is, he is the one who came to expand, to, 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 to save the world. This is what Jesus is at work doing. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem that we bump into. Here is this, this fallen condition focus, right? Too often... We believe we know what God is about. Too often, we are like the Pharisees. We think we have the full picture. So what do we do? We create our own realities and we judge folks by our own standards. In a sense, we are stumbling around in the darkness, believing that we have everything figured out and And our understanding of how we have everything figured out is grace. But it's not. It's not. So what does Jesus do? Jesus comes in and shines light and challenges us to look at the world differently. We are called into the light and realize that there is always more going on than what what we first thought. It's just how it is. It's how it is. You see, we're not... 
we're not standing at the precipice of eternity the way that the way that the Christ is. The way that the one who can say, I stand with my father. We don't have that perception. We, we, we don't. So, so what Jesus is saying is, I will light the world. I am the light of the world. You follow me. And as we follow Jesus, as we walk with him, if we walk with him into the light, we begin to catch these glimpses of the bigger picture. We begin to catch these glimpses of what divine love looks like, of what grace looks like, of what mercy looks like, of what divine truth looks like, which is that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who is saving not just one people. He's saving the world. He's saving the whole. He's saving the big picture. You see, when we finally move beyond, we finally move beyond, then what we find is life. Life, real life, is more than the material. It's more than what we can see standing right in front of us, what we can touch. Embracing something beyond the material requires us to look beyond the flesh, beyond mere human understanding, and embrace the mystery that is around us. We cannot love our neighbor and our enemy without first grasping the reality that our human understanding is limited. When we move beyond our limited understanding, we are finally able to empathize with those around us, including our enemy. And this brings life. Instead of just entering into rage-filled, hate-filled anger at our enemy, if we stop and say, I wonder what else is going on. What else could be happening here? It allows us to enter into love. And we enter into love. We enter into life. And we can be the ones who bring light and life into these situations. We can be the ones, the followers of Jesus, say, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's take a beat here. Let's listen to another. What else is going on? Let's explore your story. Let's explore this. Let's think about that. Let's hear from one another. It's important. This is this is how we get there, right? This is how we get there. So, the fallen condition focus, too often we believe we know what God is about. Christ's redemptive purpose. Jesus blows our preconceived notions out of the water. The message big idea, the light is more brilliant than we could ever imagine. It's more brilliant than it's bigger. It's more expansive. It is beyond, it is beyond anything we could ever imagine. So some ways to get into this. Uh, maybe ask everybody to describe a time in their life when they thought they were sure uh, they knew it was going on, only to find out there was way more to the story. How did you respond? How did it make you feel to know that you didn't know the full story? Or maybe go with, have you ever prejudged a person negatively only to find out they were much kinder, more lovely, and someone you wanted to be around? In other words, have there, have there ever been people in your life that surprised you for the better? Right? You could also ask, what similarities do you see uh, between the Pharisees and modern-day Christians? <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's a good one. 
Or what ways do you think that we judge by human standards? What would it look like if we didn't? Right? Um, it's important. It's important. It's an important question. What do you think is the difference between uh, determining the difference between right and wrong, which is making moral judgments, and the kind of non-judging that Jesus is talking about here? Because it is an important distinction, right? Jesus is talking about one kind of judging. And too often in our modern context, we try to take this little statement of Jesus and apply it to, to saying, well, I'm not going to make any judgment between right and wrong or any kind of moral judgment. Remember, that is not what Jesus is talking about here. So what, what is it? What's the difference? How do we engage with that? Um, and, uh, you know, and there's also just a really tough thing, right? In verse 19, because the Pharisees didn't follow the light, how does Jesus describe them? Right? He says, if you knew me, you would know my Father. You don't know me or my Father. Because they don't follow the light. They, they don't know. It's tough stuff. It's really, really tough stuff. Um, and then what do you think? What do you think it looks like to follow the light and have life? What do you think somebody who is who is who's following the light and pursuing life what marks their lives how do you know right those those might be some other questions to ask beyond the the big five so um hey i hope that was helpful uh, i hope that helps you engage in the conversation and lead the conversations in your various missional communities this weekend and uh you know i appreciate you guys and I can't say thank you enough for how you care for uh, Amy and I and Ethan and Libby. We are uh, we're so grateful for your for your faithful and consistent prayers for our family, and uh, for your partnership in the gospel. And uh, you know, as always, uh, if there are any any questions, any anything that you need to have in here, please let me know. And uh, and let's let's keep going. I just want to remind you that. Uh, the discussion documents, the notes for this week's passage are in the Google Drive folder. I think I've got all of you invited. I think I've gotten a link out to everyone. If you need access, please send me a message with your email address that you have linked uh, to a Google Drive account. And, uh, yeah, love you guys. And uh, until, until the next time we talk, love well.